0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: Soul Patrol Jesus 911, two man car. Hey, we want to talk about the relationship between the Catholic Church and the Jews. And the religion, Judaism. And so, we're just going to go right and read right from the documents of Vatican II. Instead of giving my opinion, I'll give my opinions after and same with Paul. It's only one page. So we're going to actually see what Vatican II says. Not what somebody says what Vatican II says. We'll just actually read the document. There's 16 documents of Vatican II, by the way. This document called Nostra Ateita is one of the 16 documents. In English, this document is called the Declaration on the Relation of the Church to Non-Christian Religions. That's what this document is called. Now, different documents in Vatican II carry different weight. Mm -hmm. There are some what's called constitutions. Those are the, the documents that are weighty because that's doctrine and dogma. And uh, there's only I think four constitutions uh, the, uh, in, in Vatican too. Some of these these other documents would be would fall under pastoral, and it doesn't mean just because it's pastoral that you could disregard it. I mean the word pastor that's what Jesus is. It's 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 uh, that's the Latin word from the from the from the Greek word shepherd. Pastor, pastor, and so just because something's pastoral doesn't mean you can you can just say okay that doesn't apply to me. Um so let's take a look at what Vatican II says about our relationship with the Jews. It's very short specifically chapter four is where, where it gets into Judaism. In fact, let me just go write the right to, right to uh, number four because it talks about uh, Christians Catholic Christians and Jews okay so this is Nostra Aetate number four it says. As the sacred synod searches into the mystery of the church, it remembers the bond that spiritually ties the people of the new covenant to Abraham's stock. So the the Catholic church is again, it's connecting connecting us to Abraham through different covenants. You have the covenant with Abraham, uh, the two prior covenants before that were Noah and Adam. After Abraham, you have the covenant with Moses, the covenant with David, and the covenant with Christ. So the Catholic Church, Pope Paul VI, actually said at Vatican II that we're connected all the way back to Adam through covenants. And, and this is something that uh, I guess I think the best covenant theologian that we have in the world is Dr. Scott Hahn. Th- this is what he wrote his PhD thesis on. And so going back to the documents of Vatican II, it says, Thus the Church of Christ acknowledges that according to God's saving design, the beginnings of her faith and her election are found already among the patriarchs, Moses and the prophets. She professes that all who believe in Christ, Abraham's sons, according to faith, Galatians 3.7, are included in the same patriarch's call and likewise that the salvation of the church is mysteriously foreshadowed by the chosen people's exodus from the land of bondage. So, one of the ways that the early church fathers would read the Old Testament, and this is something that we've lost after Vatican II. Prior to 1965, you were taught to read the Bible every time you saw Israel in the Old Testament, you thought Catholic Church, Catholic Church, okay? Okay. We're no longer taught that that's, that's, that's a hermeneutic that's kind of escaped us. But thanks to Dr. Scott Hahn and other people, it's starting to come back again. But that's the way we read the Old Testament to understand it. Every time you read Israel in the Old Testament, in the 47 books, you always thought Catholic Church, Catholic Church, Catholic Church. Okay, And that's what Vatican II just said there that the salvation of the church is mysteriously foreshadowed by the chosen people's exodus from the land of bondage. The church, therefore, cannot forget that she received the revelation of the Old Testament through the people with whom God, in His inexpressible mercy, concluded the ancient covenant. Nor can she forget that she draws sustenance from the roots of that well-cultivated olive tree Unto which have been grafted the wild shoots, the Gentiles. That's us. And we'll read, we'll read Romans chapter eleven, verse seventeen and twenty-four. After we've been grafted in, okay? We're the wild, we're the wild shoots. Indeed, the church believes that by his cross, our peace reconciled Jews and Gentiles, making both one in himself, as it says in Ephesians chapter two, verses fourteen and sixteen. In other words. Uh, the, the unity is in Christ between Jew and Gentile. Nothing else can, you, can unite us but for Christ. Vatican II says, The church keeps ever in mind the words of the apostle about his kinsmen. It quotes you Romans chapter 9, verse 4 and 5. There is the sonship and the glory and the covenants and the law and the worship and the promises. Theirs are the fathers, and from them is, is the Christ according to the flesh. The son of the Virgin Mary, she also recalls that the apostles, the church's mainstay and pillars, as well as most of the early disciples who proclaimed Christ's gospel to the world, sprang from the Jewish people. In other words, what Vatican II is saying there is that the Jews are part of salvation history. Uh... It, right from the very beginning, I mean, it's Jesus was a Jew in his humanity, not a Mexican, not not European. Mary was not Mexican. She was not Japanese. She's Jewish. Joseph was Jewish. The first Pope was Jewish. Uh, all the apo- the first uh, priests, all the apostles were Jewish. That's what the the church is is ma- making that reference. Is that uh, that's why Fulton Sheen says that Judaism is the seed and uh, and we're the branch, we're, we're that olive tree that. We're that, uh, excuse me, that oak tree that's come from that seed, that kernel. Vatican II says, as Holy Scripture testifies, Jerusalem did not recognize the time of her visitation, nor did the Jews in large numbers accept the the gospel. Indeed, not a few opposed its spreading. And it quotes Romans chapter 11, verse 28. I've actually read from uh, scholars, Dr. Scott Hahn and others, have said that really uh, only 10% of the Jews believed in Jesus' message. Ninety percent of the Jews at the time of Christ rejected his claim to be the Son of God and the Messiah. So Vatican II is just basically saying a, a historical fact here that very few people uh, believed in his claims. Very few. The ones that did believe in his claim, we call them Christians, Catholic Christians. Nevertheless, God holds the Jews most dear for the sake of their fathers. He does not repent of the gifts he makes or the calls he he issues such as the witness of the apostle in company with the prophets and the same apostle, the church awaits that day known to God alone on which, on which all peoples will address the Lord in a single voice and serve him shoulder to shoulder. Well, that will be the general judgment of the world when everybody sees that Christ is that universal King. Since the spiritual patrimony common to Christians and Jews is, is thus so great. This sacred synod, wants to foster and recommend that mutual understanding and respect, which is the fruit above all, of biblical and theological studies, as well as of fraternal dialogues. True, the Jewish authorities and those who followed their lead pressed for the death of Christ. Still, what happened in his passion cannot be charged against all the Jews without distinction, uh, then alive, or against the Jews of today. Although the church is the new people of God, the Jews should not be presented as rejected or accursed by God as if this followed from the Holy Scriptures. All should see to it, then, that in catechetical work or in the preaching the Word of God, they did not teach anything that does, that does not conform to the truth of the gospel and the Spirit of Christ. Furthermore, in her rejection of every persecution against any man, the church, mindful of patrimony, she shares with the Jews, and moved not by political reasons, but by, gospel, by, by the gospel spiritual love, decries hatred, persecutions, displays of anti-Semitism directed against Jews or any time, at any time or by anyone. Last paragraph. Besides, <clears throat> as the church has always held and holds now, Christ underwent his passion and death freely because of the sins of men and out of infinite love in order that all may reach salvation. It is therefore the burden of, 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 of the church's preaching or to proclaim the cross of Christ as a sign of God's all-embracing love and as a fountain from which every grace flows. Okay, I won't go any further than that. That just ha- that just has to do with the Jews. And that's what we want to talk about today. Um, um, Paul, any comments? Because I, I have a, a lot. lot of comments to make. Yeah, I have a lot. Yeah, yeah there's...
2: There's a lot there, Jess. Um there's a lot of things that came to mind as you read that. But uh I you know I have a question for you. At the beginning you said that uh just because something is uh pastoral doesn't mean we can just disregard it. Well, what exactly does it mean? Um let me I, I actually
1: uh wrote that down somewhere. Let me find it. There's been there's been pastoral documents in the past, and let me let me Actually, pastoral councils in the first thousand years of the church. And they were just called pastoral councils. I'll, I'll get it to you right now. I'll give you the exact names. Uh, and, and guess what? They were binding upon people. Uh, I'll probably find them for you on the break because we got one more minute because I'm not going to have a chance to find it right now. So what I'm saying is that the Catholic church in the first thousand years had councils that they called pastoral councils. And nobody said back then, Uh, before the first thousand years. Oh, that's a pastoral council. We don't have to listen to it. I'll give you the names after the break. They were binding on people. And so uh, I'll give you the names of those two councils prior to the first thousand years of Catholic Christianity, which people were bound by because the word pastor means shepherd. That's all it means. Jesus 911. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151.
1: Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two man call. We're talking about. Uh, we just read the document from Vatican II on the Catholic Church's relations to the Jews. Now we just want to discuss it. Uh, Paul had asked me a question. I just. Uh, I I just looked up the answer in in one of my notes from one of the past shows. The question was, go ahead and ask it again, Paul. So I I, I make sure that I answer uh, exactly what you asked.
2: No, I was mentioning that at the beginning, you said, just because it's a a pastoral council, it, uh, you know, you know, the question was, uh, it doesn't, uh, what you said was it doesn't mean that we can just disregard it, uh, and I said, well, what exactly does it mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the word, pa- the word pastor is a Latin word, which means shepherd. And the word shepherd yeah. is a New Testament word. Christ yeah. is a shepherd. Peter's a shepherd. Bishops are shepherds. Apostles are shepherds. Your Catholic priest is your shepherd. He's your pastor. And so that's a very, that's a very New Testament word. So uh, is Vatican II the first pastoral council in 2,000 years? No. Lateran, Lateran I was a pastoral council. Lateran Two was a pastoral council, and called such by the way. Lateran Three was a pastoral council. In two thousand years, there's been four pastoral councils in the Catholic Church. Okay, the word pastoral simply means shepherd. That's all it means. Now, some people will say, "Well, you could disregard things that are not that 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 uh, are pastoral councils." Well, here's here's what when somebody says pastoral this is basically just the ordinary magisterium at work it's the ordinary magisterium okay mm-hmm. now when you have constitutions you know these constitutional declarations these are this is the extraordinary magisterium at work yes. but both of us both as catholics we're bound by the extraordinary and the ordinary magi- as as Catholics we've always have been uh, n- nothing's changed uh so the pastoral nature of a council, all that simply means is that they avoid any extraordinary statements of dogmas endowed with infallibility. That's what it means. That there's no like well uh, yeah. Well there's that's, no in, well, that's the, in,
2: yeah. Well, that's the point I was making. If it's not infallible, then I mean they would have to make the claim that it's infallible, yes. Uh for us no. to just say, Well, no.
1: No. I'll tell you why. Because in two thousand years, In 2,000 years of Catholicism, only two, only twice has infallibility been claimed. So if that's the case, you and me should only believe two things that the Catholic Church has actually said and disregard everything else. There's only two infallible statements that the Church has made in 2,000 years, and so... If we're if we were to hold to that principle, we could disregard ninety nine percent of what the Catholic Church teaches today in the Baltimore Catechism and in the New Catechism. And so, w- once again, uh, a pastoral council all that simply means is that there's no extraordinary statements like there usually isn't. Most councils mm-hmm. they're just this is the ordinary magisterium at work. And 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 as I've said, Vatican II is just the fourth pastoral council by name in 2000 years and so all the word pastor means is shepherd that's all it means but i want to go to another question paul on on because some people will ask and it's a good question some people will say well if jesus was a jew why am i catholic how would you respond to that that i think that's a good question if jesus Mm -hmm. was a jew catholics would ask you Well, then why am I Catholic? Why am I not a Jew? I'll take a Mm -hmm. crack at it, and if you want to just kind of clean it up what I said. Yeah. Here's what I would say. First of all, the the, the term Jew is used in two senses in the Bible. It it refers to an ethnic Jew and a religious Jew. So Jesus was a Jew in both senses. He was an ethnic and a religious Jew. Uh, In fact we would actually say that he completed the Jewish religion by, by serving as the Messiah that the prophets had, had, had long foretold. So he was the yes. completion of Judaism or what was the completed form of it. Yes. So I think what we would say as Catholics, that the completed form of the Jewish religion is known as Christianity. That's what Scott Hahn taught me many years, that Catholic Christianity is the completed form of the Jewish religion because it's the final covenant yeah
2: so so yeah go ahead yeah no I, I i agree with you uh as uh as a matter of fact uh uh the movement jews for jesus right so there are right. jews that call themselves messianic jews correct that is to say that jews that recognize jesus as their messiah and they were also referring to themselves as completed jews mm-hmm. so yeah i would I, I would agree with uh your assessment on that yeah but i don't think
1: that the protestant messianic uh, the jews for jesus are completed jews because in order to be a completed jew i would argue because of all the covenants which are six christ is a sixth covenant and the second coming of christ will be the, the final ratification of the covenants yeah every single covenant there's a sacrifice and a sacred meal yeah. So the Protestant, the the Jews for Jesus within Protestantism, they don't yeah. have yes. the holy sacrifice of the Mass, and they yes. don't have the sacred covenant meal, which is the Holy Eucharist. So yeah. I, I would have to say that the Jews for Jesus yeah. movement
2: they fall short. Well, Jess, I said they consider themselves. I yeah. didn't oh, say yeah, yeah. we consider them. That's what yeah. they say about themselves that you know right. they embrace Jesus, and I was only talking about it in regards to them uh you know coming to the point where they accept Jesus as the Messiah. Um yeah, of course they are lacking uh the sacred meal. They look at the menu, I think Scott Hahn refers to it like that, you know, Protestants like to examine the menu while we're feasting on the meal. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, yes. And so and, and there is there is a movement in the Catholic Church of completed Jews. And they actually, they call themselves uh, uh, he- the Association of right. Hebrew Catholics. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and yes, and there's a, you know, Roy Schumann, uh, you know, Sister Rosalind Moss, uh, now known as Sister Mother Mary. It's a huge movement, worldwide movement of, of Jews who have discovered Christ as the Messiah within the fullness of Christianity, the Catholic Church. So they're called the Association of Hebrew Catholics. And, yeah. and the Protestants have their version called Jews for Jesus, which again, yeah. uh, it still falls short. So I think the, uh, what, how else I would answer that question. If Jesus was a Jew, why are we Catholic? Is that most of the followers of Jesus, uh, they, they didn't join his Gentile followers. Cause Jesus also had Gentile followers. So just say, see like, like Luke, uh, there was a lot of Gentiles, uh, you know, you also have Acts chapter 10, what's his name, Cornelius, the, the righteous Gentile. There was a lot of righteous Gentiles that started converting to Christianity as well. And they didn't have to be Jews, religious Jews, to to accept Christianity. In fact, St. Paul talked against that. That was called Judaizers. So to become a Christian, if you were a Gentile in the early church, you didn't have to go through Judaism into Christianity. You went from Gentile paganism right into Christianity. Judaism wasn't a stepping stone for the Gentile. So you didn't have to be a religious Jew to become a Catholic Christian. You could bypass that and just go from paganism, Gentile paganism, right into the Catholic faith through baptism. So that was the case with most of the followers of Christ, at least the Gentile followers. But um, I think St. Paul, one of the big One of the big distinctions he made, which I think helps us understand what it really means to be Jewish. He says it in Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. Okay, He talks about the difference between being an ethnic Jew and a religious Jew. Look what he says here. He says, quote, for he is not a real Jew who is one outwardly, nor is true circumcision something external and physical he is a jew who is one inwardly and real circumcision is a matter of the heart spiritual and not literal so st paul again this is where the doctrine the doctrine of supersession comes in this whole this whole this terminology that means christianity supersedes uh supersedes uh judaism supersedes the jews christians supersede jews or christianity supersedes hebraic monotheism uh, that's that's the doctrine of supersession now you got in, in catholicism you got hardline supersessionist and then you got more mild supersessionist uh, i can tell you uh it one hardline supersessionist was Saint John Chrysostom back in the fourth century? When you read his lectures, in fact, today he's like anathema to the Jews. They call him a, they call him, a, you know, he's an anti-Semite. This, that, and the other. All he basically did, he composed his homilies, quoting Saint John and Saint Paul, and quoting Jesus. That's all he did. But uh, you know, history is not real nice to him. And if, from the Jewish perspective, they call him an anti-Semite. He would, he would definitely be one who would be called a, a, a strict supersession. Um, I think Vatican II, when I read the documents right there, uh, I think it's it's more of a mild supersession, as I read that one page. Uh, There's there's nowhere in Vatican II where saying, you could be a Jew and be saved. They're not saying that. But they're definitely not using the same arguments that St. John Chrysostom used in the 4th century, which would have been stronger. Uh, I, I will say that, so
2: much stronger yeah um i think that uh as the sacred scripture tells us just uh, you know um well not necessarily that uh you know from a human perspective they are they are our brothers right so a, a brother offended is harder one than a strong city so the idea here i think that that i'm picking up and reading this uh article uh this document from Vatican II is that you know they definitely are not trying to be offensive. They definitely don't want to build barriers, you know, toward their um, uh, outreach toward toward the Jews. But for me, um, there's there's a couple of things that we have to ask ourselves. Number one, what is the purpose of the church? You know, is it to go out and actually preach the gospel so that men are converted? Or is it safe to say that, well, they're Jews, they're God's covenant people. Uh, we're just gonna leave them alone. Uh we're, you know, and uh, you know, God will deal with them in his own time and we'll just respect uh, you know, their beliefs. Speak on that one, Jess.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. When as I read section four on that document of of Vatican II, all it did was quote Jewish history that they were, you know, the Old Testament people of God. To them Mm -hmm. was given the glory and covenants. That's good. That's good. It quotes a lot of scripture, but it doesn't pull the. It doesn't go far enough, in my take. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It at the end of the document, it should have said, but yes. Though we share a, 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 the same patrimony or a similar patrimony, they need to embrace Jesus Christ because their Amen. covenants are obsolete. So, Amen. in my take, they didn't go far enough. And I'll tell you what what verses they should have deployed on the next segment.
0: Now, back to Jesus nine one one. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Soul patrol Jesus 911 two man car just remember Paul Clay. We just read Vatican II, Nostra Aetate on uh, section 4 on its uh, relation to the Jews and uh, I read it. It's 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 it quotes a lot of scripture but I think it's kind of soft. I think it could have been uh, I think it could have been a lot stronger and I think they didn't pull the trigger. Uh, and, and what I mean by pull the trigger is they didn't call the Jews to repentance and to embrace Christ in the document. It does quote Amen. scripture. It quotes about the Jews. You know, from them came the prophets and the oracles. From them is the patriarchs, and it quotes a lot of scripture. Don't get. And I know all these passages that you know they have the patrimony. Yes, yes, I get it. But the fact is, is that they need Jesus, and I'll tell you why. Here's one verse I wish Vatican II would have included in the document. It's in Hebrews chapter 8, verse uh, verses 6 to 13. Okay. Now this is attributed, most people say St. Paul wrote it, the early church. Here's what it says. I wish this would have been included in Vatican II. Okay. Hebrews 8 6 to 13. Quote Now he, pronoun, that's Jesus. He that's a pronoun. Now he has a, obtained so much more excellent a ministry. As he is mediator of a better covenant. Enacted on better promises. For if that that first covenant had been faultless. No place would have been sought for a second one. But he, pronoun Jesus, finds fault with them and says, Behold the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will conclude a new covenant. That's the one mentioned in the the Last Supper. That's the Eucharist. Amen. Amen. I will conclude a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers the day I took them by the hand to lead them forth from the land of Egypt. For they did not stand by my covenant and I ignored them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach... Each one his, his his each one his fellow citizen and kinsman, saying, Knowing the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest, for I will forgive their evil doing and remember their sins no more. Verse thirteen. When he speaks of a new covenant, he declares the first one obsolete, and what has become obsolete has grown old and is close to disappearing. That's pretty clear right there. So yes. as I read it, I wish this was inserted in Vatican II.
2: Yeah. Why? I mean, and it, and it's scripture.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you why it wasn't inserted in Vatican II. Me and Paul talked about this in the break. Is because we know that there was Masons that were there. Yes. That had that had miters, okay? Bishop's miters. And yes. Roman callers we know that masons are modernist yes. and so they're that verse that I just quoted they were not going to insert that verse into the documents of Vatican II because that verse calls the Jews to repentance it tells yes. them you can't be saved by your five provisional temporal covenants and so right. so the, the and, 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 and I like what Scott Hahn says about the five previous covenants prior to Christ the sixth one which is the Eucharist at the last supper Dr. Scott Hahn says the he says the the good, the old covenant has become the, the enemy of the best. Then yes, good. the good yes. has be if the good doesn't give way to the best, the good becomes the enemy of the best. The old yes. covenant, if it doesn't give way to the new covenant, it becomes the enemy of the new covenant. And yeah. And, and yeah. Point. yeah yes,
2: and that's what we see. We see that at the at the very uh beginnings of the church, who persecuted the church. It was the the people of uh, you know uh, uh you know of the former covenant, the Jews. It was the Jewish uh people that 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 brought about the first persecutions of the early church. So again, the good then became the enemy. Of the best and uh you know and just and just piggybacking on 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 your uh hebrews quotes i'd like to just read out of romans chapter 11 just for the audience's sake so we can hear what saint paul said to the romans starting in verse 25 i do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery brothers and sisters so that you so that you may not be conceited israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs for god's gifts and his call are irrevocable just as you who were one time disobedient to god have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience so too have now uh so too have now become disobedient in order that they too May now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy on you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience, so that He may have mercy on them all. So what Paul is saying here, Jess, is that um, clearly um, there was a there was like a, a Mason Dixon line, a mark of uh, you know uh, demarcation where it was Jew and Gentile, but in Christ He has united both groups to say uh where we say in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free but we are all one in Christ Christ is the unifier of the people of the earth the covenant of God then has expanded beyond Israel and it includes everybody but but remember Christ is the one uh you know uh, you know it's the the covenant is in his very blood and so to reject that is to reject the goodness, and the covenant of God. So Jews, for the sake, you know, they have so much to draw on. They have a, a whole history. But like you said, they have to come through Jesus.
1: Amen. Let me, uh, I like that verse that you quote. I'm glad you quoted that. Let me share what Dr. Scott Hahn has to say about that. Dr. Hahn says, the plan of worldwide salvation hidden in the scriptures, what you just read right now, Romans 11:25 25 and following. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, but now made known through the Spirit, part of Israel. Those in Israel who are unresponsive to the gospel, only some in Israel are hardened in this way, since a remnant of ethnic Israelites has come to believe in Jesus as a Messiah. Paul himself is among this believing remnant. The full number of the Gentiles, the many people and nations of the world who will come to faith in Christ, Paul played a monumental role in launching the church's pursuit of this missionary goal. It is not specified when the conversion of the Gentiles will reach point of fullness determined by God. Yeah. Uh, it, it also says about the that phrase, all Israel. The entire tribal family or of Israel, the point is not that every individual Israel Israelite will be saved, no. But that a collective group representing all 12 tribes will be saved. Yeah. And he's got a whole he's got a whole essay on that. Paul combines citations from uh, Isaiah where he envisions the restoration of Jacob Israel from exile and sin. Yahweh's new covenant will bring his people a new abundance of mercy and forgiveness. The expression from Zion is worded differently and may be taken from Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3. Which foresees the word of the Lord going out to all the nations from Jerusalem. And finally he comments on uh, that word enemies. He says they are temporarily, early their enemies until their salvation. I'll let Romans eleven twenty six, beloved, God will never revoke His promises to Israel on account of the patriarchs, but loves His people with an everlasting love. Then He talks about that section on disobedience. All men, to, He says, God allows all to sin that all might taste salvation. His saving plan moves forward despite man's rebellion. Amen. So. Uh, so a lot of people say, um, so when are the Jews going to convert? I believe that there will be this, this mass conversion of Jews right before the second coming of Christ. I think that people are just so caught up in their iPhones, caught up in, in technology, caught up in, in the glimmer and, and glitz of the world that it's not going to be until we hear the, the, the archangel's trumpet blast and the heavens open up and Christ coming down in a white horse. I think there's going to be a mass conversion of people at that moment. There's going to be... Uh, millions and millions of people they are going to have what we call have a moment of perfect contrition and a perfect illumination of conscience. I may be wrong. Who knows? Maybe it could happen sooner. Maybe we'll start seeing the conversion of Jews in mass numbers by next week. I just don't see it happening right now. So, yeah, I'll I'll tell you who I wish would have been at Vatican II because he was alive back then. There is a famous rabbi who became Catholic. In fact, I got his book right here. It's called, why I Became Catholic, I know Richard doesn't like when I do this, okay. by, by Rabbi Zoely. Okay, it's, it's a must read if you want to understand Judaism and Catholicism, Rabbi Zoily, chief rabbi of Rome, he was a rabbi for 50 years, and he explains on page one why he became a Catholic, I wish this would have been inserted into the documents of, of Nostra Aetate, he says this, quote, Rabbi Zoily was asked why he had given up the synagogue for the Catholic Church. He, said, he gave the following answer. Quote, Rabbi Zoily. But I have not given up the synagogue. Christianity is the integration, completion, or crown of the synagogue. For the synagogue was a promise and Christianity is a fulfillment of that promise. The synagogue pointed to Christianity. Christianity presupposes a synagogue. So you see, one cannot exist without the other. What I converted to was the living Christianity. Then the second question. Then Rabbi, you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Rabbi Zoily says, yes, positively. I have believed it many years and now I am so firmly convinced of the truth that he is the Messiah that I can face the whole world and defend my faith with the certainty and solidity of the mountains. Question. Rabbi, why don't you join one of the Protestant denominations which are also Christian? Rabbi says, because protesting is not a testing. I do not intend to embarrass anybody by asking, why wait 1,500 years to protest? The Catholic Church was recognized by the whole Christian world as a true church of God for 15 consecutive centuries before the Reformers. Rabbi Zoily, we'll be right back. We'll continue on this conversation.
0: now back to Jesus 911. 1 If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Jesus 911 Soul Patrol. Here's a verse that we're going to end uh, end the show with. Zechariah chapter 12, uh parts of 13 and parts of 14. It's worth reading, especially right now in light of the war in uh in Israel. It's it's worth reading this. This is an oracle. It's a prophecy of Zechariah. It's an eschatological prophecy about the end times. That's what eschatology means. Okay. It says, The word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. Lo, I'm about to make Jerusalem a cup of reeling to all the peoples round about. It will be against Judah also in the siege against Jerusalem. On that day I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it shall shall grievously hurt themselves and all the nations of the earth will come together against it. We're kind of starting to see that right now. At least the Islamic nations right now, they're rumbling right now in terms of uh, uh, backing up Hamas and Hezbollah. Verse 4. On that day, says the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. But upon the house of Judah, I will open my eyes when I strike every horse of the people with blindness Then the clans of Judah shall say to themselves, The inhabitants of Jerusalem have strength through the Lord of hosts, their God. Verse 6. On that day I will make their clans of Judah like a blazing pot in the midst of wood, like a flaming torch among sheaves. And they shall devour to the right and to the left all the peoples round about, while Jerusalem shall, shall still be inhabited in its place in Jerusalem. And the Lord will give victory to the tents of Judah first that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not be exalted over that of Judah. On that day, the Lord will put a shield about the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the fleet feeblest among them on that day shall be like David and the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord at their head. And on that day, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Okay, we're talking about World War Three here all the nations coming hmm. against this tiny little state and pushing them into the Mediterranean Sea. Also something very interesting that uh, that just jumped out at me in that one verse, uh I think it was verse seven, uh where it says, um the the and the house of David shall be like shall be like God, like Lee No no no, israel above it uh says that And the Lord will give victory to the tents of Judah. First, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem May not be exalted over that of Judah. On that day, the Lord will put a shield about the inhabitants of Jerusalem. It's funny; the Jews call their military system the dome. The uh, what's it called? Yeah, 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 it, yeah. It's the iron, called, dome, uh, iron dome, iron dome, iron dome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I, can I be, verse ten. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of compassion and supplication, so that when they look on him whom they have pierced. This is a reference to the Jews are going to see Jesus Christ coming back in power and glory and see the one that they have pierced. It could happen in our lifetime in light of this war that's happening right now. As one mourns for an only child and weeps bitterly over him, as one weeps over a firstborn. This is what will happen when Christ comes back. The Jews will. The, many Jews their eyes will open up. The scales will fall off. And they will see. He's our Messiah. He's the one my forefathers killed 2,000 years ago. He's the savior of the world. Verse 11. Yeah. On that day. The morning in Jerusalem will be as great as the morning. For Hadid Rimnom. In the plain of Megiddo. The land shall be. The land shall be. Uh, the the land shall mourn each family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the Shemites by itself and their wives by themselves and all the families that are left, each by itself and their wives by themselves. In other words, there's gonna be much mourning amongst Jewish people. I'll tell you why, especially the ones that don't repent. The ones that don't repent their mourning will be un- their mourning will be unto damnation, because this will be the general judgment of the world. Some of yeah. the Jews, the ones that the ones that that open their hearts to Christ, their mourning will be of 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 joy. Finally, mm-hmm. now we know who the Messiah is. he's been here all along. some of these people's mourning of the Jewish people. Reference to Zechariah will be mourning unto damnation. Other Jews, their mourning will be unto salvation. Verse. Uh, yes. th- let, me, let me go on to uh, verse 14 because it gets right into Christ again. Uh, Zechariah 14. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming when the spoil taken from you will be divided in the midst of you. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses plundered and the women ravished half of the city shall go into exile and the rest of the people shall not and the and the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city this is describing world war 3 this we could yeah. be in the midst of this right now You're, you you yep. have you have 51 muslim nations and they are upset as a result of what's of of, of the war between israel and hamas and now hezbollah's jumped in and you have other Muslim countries that are talking about jumping in as well. This could be the nations, the 51 Muslim nations surrounding this small little state next to the Mediterranean Sea called Israel. Paul comments.
2: Yeah, and not only that, but we know that China, you know, they just put their warships over there, the US is over there and Russia, all the nations, all the powers to be so to speak are all gathering and and we know the United States represents NATO at large, right? So literally all the nations and you know, if you notice Jess, the public opinion is has been swaying steadily more and more and more against Israel. You know, they're beginning to say that, hey, you guys are, you know, uh, you know, the only solution is a two state solution. And for Israel that, you know, that's that's not tenable. Why? Because they, you know, they know that, you know, over and over again, some of these nations have said they don't have a right to exist. Now, who would <laughs> who would be happy with moving next to a neighbor and having a wall between you and the neighbor, saying you don't even have a right to exist? <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. <laughs> but 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 yes, it, 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 you know. Just going back to you know your reading of that passage, the Douay Reams. You know, um, going back to verse ten and following, but I'll, I'll just say that uh, uh, you know because. Some translations of the Bible, you know, when they talk about an only child, this is exactly what the Dewey Reb says. It says, this is God speaking. he says, and they will, it says, they shall look upon me, God is speaking, whom they have pierced.
1: Mm. And they
2: shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. You see, and rather than an only child and, you know, the, the, these these later uh, versions. Yeah. And they shall grieve over him at as the manner uh, is to grieve for the death of a firstborn. That is to say, the preeminent one, Jesus Christ, the That's righteous. his title.
1: That's his title in yeah. Romans chapter eight, yes. the title of Christ.
2: Yes. Yes. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. And, folks that's the gospel right there and and no matter how much people try to uh, you know this whole idea and and you know there's a there's a false kind of ecumenism out there Jess that I think we we you know we should just address really quick that kind of says that hey we're all just can't we all just get along you know we you know we could just respect everybody and no this world is temporary folks it's only here for a little while. And Jesus is going to make a new heaven and a new earth, by the way. Uh, He is going to make all things new. But in the meantime, uh, our mission and our purpose is to fulfill the, you know, the great commission, which is to go out into the world to teach all that Christ commanded and to bring them into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that through baptism. And we do that through the preaching of the gospel. At, you know, of the gospel. Go ahead, just take us home.
1: <laughs> yeah, here's the last, the last verse that I wish would have been. I wish all Zechariah chapter 12, 13, and fourteen would have been inserted into the documents of Vatican II, or at least the relevant passages about Christ being the Messiah coming back yeah. at the end of time. But specifically, Zechariah fourteen. Uh, here it is, verse three and four. This is the meat of it. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day, his feet, this is Jesus, shall stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley. So Zechariah is telling us that Jesus himself, the Messiah, will will touch down at the second coming on the mount on the mount of olives which is just east of Jerusalem and from there he will wage war against all the nations and defeat them and smash them he will tread them like like a man treads grapes under his feet that's what the book of revelation says in chapter 11 and so This is the high point. This is the good news. Jesus is the good news. And so as Catholics, if you're just reading the Bible and looking about wars and wars, no, look at the way it ends. Christ comes back. Even the Jews are going to look at him and weep and cry saying, we've killed our Messiah. Many of them will come to faith. Christ will come back on the Mount of Olives, just like the angel said in the book of Acts. This Jesus who left the Mount of Olives, just like he left body and soul, he's going to come back in much the same way. Zechariah describes it, and when he comes back, Romans chapter 11, verses 16 and 19 says, he will make war against all the unbelieving nations. And on that moment... You're either part of Team Jesus or part of Team Satan. If you're part of Team Jesus, you're going to be saying hallelujah forever. And if you're part of Team Satan, you're going to be gnashing and weeping your teeth forever. I wish that would have been inserted in the documents of Vatican (laughs) II to our Jewish brothers.
2: Yeah, brother. Preach it. I love it. Listen. There's no name in heaven and earth that men must be saved except Christ Jesus, the righteous. And that's what we Catholics, we have to be about his business. We have to understand what our purpose in this world is. We are strangers and aliens in this world. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Okay. We are nothing. We are ambassadors for the Lord. And it's up to us, like they say in it, it, like the kids say today, we need to rep the Lord. You know what I mean? We need yeah. to we need to go out and represent him in this world. Yes. yes. And uh in, in every way. Go ahead, Jess. Finish. Here's it the up. last
1: thing here's the last thing I want to say. So Nostra Tate is a pastoral document. Do I Jesse Romero have to l- listen to it? Yeah. Of course I do. I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic Christian. The only thing I would say is, yeah, I accept everything it says. It didn't go far enough. I would add I would add a lot more meat and potatoes to it. It's quote scripture. It's good insofar as it says Jews are are the chosen people of God in the Old Testament. To them the prophets and the oracles. But it didn't go far enough. Do I accept the document? Absolutely. It didn't go far enough. That's all. That's a wrap. See you next time. God bless you. Keep the faith.